the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman broadcasting from his offices in San Jose, California, in the Cambrian Park area. Uh, I'm the host today of Plan Your Estate Radio and the host every time of Plan Your Estate Radio. I'm coming up uh, about a month or so, maybe six weeks, coming up on two months with this, excuse me, two years with this show on the air. Two months, that would be kind of silly to brag about that. Um, It's been uh, great being on the air here in the Bay Area. I've met a lot of great people. I've talked with a lot of great people. And I hope to pass on information to you today that uh, will be useful to you, for you, or for uh, family members or friends that might be going through situations like the ones that I cover in the show. I will take calls today. The number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you've been listening for a while, you know the drill. You know you can also email me at radio at lawbob.com if you would like to send a message to me through email because uh, you don't want to get on the air. Maybe you're nervous about getting on the air. I understand that. It's not easy to get on uh, on a radio show uh, the first time. Sometimes it's hard for me, even though I've been doing it a couple of years now. But uh, still, you can email me there, or you can call 800-516-1220. I want to let you all uh, share with you all something that I did this morning <clears throat> in my office. I uh, signed into a webinar by a uh, nationally renowned attorney by the name of Natalie Choate, uh, who is a specialist in estate planning for retirement plan assets. The webinar was all about the new SECURE Act that was passed by Congress and took effect January 1 of this year. And I am processing that information, and my intention is to do next Friday's show exclusively on the SECURE Act and what it means for those who have retirement plans such as IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, pension plans, and how the rules have changed for passing those assets on to um, your spouse to children, to other heirs, and the inherited IRA rules, which I have mentioned a few times over the years here, um, have changed dramatically um, 
In fact, the uh, I'm going to do a little editorializing here. The purpose of the changes in the law was for the government to get 13 to 14 billion dollars of tax revenue coming in from people's retirement plans uh, that they want coming in sooner rather than later. Um, in my seminars, when I talk about uh, retirement plans and things like IRAs and 401k plans, I point out to people that those retirement plans were created by the government. They are government-created um, savings vehicles. The government makes the rule, and what the government gives, the government can take away. And the SECURE Act is a major takeaway uh, from those who have put money aside for retirement and were relying on having that money pass on to the next generation and uh, maybe help them uh, with their lives and in their retirement, that has all gone out the window. So if you want to find out more about the SECURE Act, my show next Friday will be exclusively devoted to the SECURE Act and the impact on people's retirement plans, uh, not while they're alive, but the impact after they have died and uh, and the major changes that have happened that may impact the estate plans of many of you listening to me right now. So make sure to tune in next Friday for my show, or at least listen to the podcast, stream it if you're traveling. I'm going to be going over the things that impact those with retirement plans because of the SECURE Act passed by Congress and that went into effect in January of this year. Now, continuing on with uh, my tradition on this show that has been established for a long time now, um, I go over questions um, that come from people all around the state of California. They're not specifically directed to me, but they are questions that people have of an estate planning nature. Some are very simple and easily answered, Some are more complicated and call for more complicated answers or observations. But it's my hope that listening to these and listening week after week to my show about these, that things are going to come to your attention that may affect your life or the lives of those around you. And that might move you to seek legal assistance to deal with the situation that you're facing. So here is... um, Here's a question, and it comes out of the Central Valley, and the person's asking, uh, my father-in-law passed away and left no will. He owned a houseboat appraised at $250,000 a couple years ago. My husband and his sister want to sell the houseboat. We want to have the title transferred to their names through the DMV, and the question is, is the houseboat exempt from probate in California based on the California probate code, um, which which actually now exempts $166,250. Not so much exempts, but if you have an estate less than that amount and you died January 1 or afterwards, if that's all you had, then there's no formal probate that is needed. 
Prior to January 1, the dollar amount was $150,000. So it just went up to this weird number of $166,250. I don't know why they have to make it weird like that. Could even be 165, but the, the point is it's over $150,000. And these people want to know is the houseboat included in that dollar amount? Um, and the answer is absolutely yes. Um, if it was a plane, if it was a bus, if it was a limousine, if it was a Maserati, uh, if it's worth more than that that amount, and this is actually not per asset, it's total value of estate that someone may actually have in their name or payable to them at death. So pretty much if you own real estate, you're not really going to qualify. If it's a house, not really. Uh, if you have a $200,000 brokerage account, not going to qualify. Quarter million dollar houseboat, also not going to qualify. Um, those assets by themselves are likely to trigger the need for some kind of probate court action. Now, here's an easy one. Person says, everything I own is held in my living trust, and I always use my Social Security number to report income and interest from the accounts held in the trust. And that means you report on your regular 1040 and 540 income tax forms. Could you repeat that, Marco? Okay. I want to know, can I give a large gift from my living trust accounts, which will count towards my lifetime gift tax exemption and still report it as an individual? Oh, absolutely. While you're alive, your Social Security number is the operative number for you for any gifting, any income, any interest. So um, there's, there's nothing separate from that. It's your personal gift tax exemption. So, yeah. And it actually will not count towards the exemption because if it's less than 15000 it won't. If it's more than 15000 the excess will. So we'll be coming back after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman continuing after the break. Streaming now on the KDO. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue on now in this second segment of the show with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Now, uh, okay, here's one out of the Santa Rosa area. Um says, I'm the trustee and beneficiary of my dad's living trust. He passed away, and I'm trying to close out his IRA account. The bank is requesting a different tax ID number other than one I've supplied, uh, dad's Social Security number and his tax ID number. I'm not really sure how to answer that one. Um, if the First of all, let me just kind of explain. When someone has a trust, if that trust owns assets like bank accounts, brokerage accounts, things like that, uh, when the person dies with a revocable living trust, their trust now becomes irrevocable, unchangeable, and the Social Security number that the person had during their lifetime now becomes invalid as a tax reporting ID number because the person is deceased. What this means is that the trust assets 
in order to be handled now need to be retitled and uh, put under a different social security, not a social security number, but a tax ID number, which has to be uh, for the now irrevocable trust. What this means is that whoever takes over, in this case, uh, the uh, son or daughter as the successor trustee, needs to apply to the Internal Revenue Service to get a tax ID number for the irrevocable trust. And that is the number that would be given to a bank or brokerage or similar in order to take over an asset that is there. So um, I'm not sure what this person's saying about dad's tax ID number. Uh, while dad's alive, that's his social security number. It's really not different. But the bottom line is you have to get a new tax ID number, not the social security number, in order to take over and deal with assets that are in a living trust uh, because now the trust is irrevocable. Okay, here out of Los Angeles. Um, person's asking a question. Uh, should I place an apartment house I own with a partner, 50-50 tenants in common, into a living trust with my wife? Uh, real estate was acquired in 1985. I married my wife in 2000. Property produces revenue. Um, and my concern is that by placing it into a trust and changing title, I would be giving my wife half of my interest in the property. Well, there's a number of ways to deal with this. First of all, if it is in fact your separate property, your separate interest in that apartment house that you owned prior to the marriage and has been kept separate from the marriage, then you could create yourself a living trust to own your half interest in that property and then decide how it is going to be dealt with on your passing. Um, second thing is you could have a joint trust with your spouse and you could transfer the property into that trust um, with you and your spouse as co-trustees, but have the transfer specify that it is your property, married man as sole and separate property and make sure within the trust itself either stated in the trust or in an asset schedule to the trust that's signed and preferably dated, signed by both you and your spouse, indicating it's separate property. That way it could be kept separate and the spouse would not end up, as a general rule, with a half interest in the property. However, that can all be changed by your behavior with that property during the marriage. It is possible to end up with a spouse have ending up with an interest in property that was separate property when it started because of the way you deal with it during the marriage. If you have any doubts about this, you really need to consult with an estate planning attorney and perhaps a family lawyer as well. There, This is one of those areas where there is a crossover between family law and estate planning law and and even though I'm not a family lawyer, one of the things I'm working on very diligently right now is getting myself much better educated on the crossover issues between family law and estate planning law. What's permitted, what's not permitted, and then also what can happen to property if people are actually um, people are actually doing things with their property during the marriage they may not realize, but they could actually be giving interest 
in the property to a spouse by their actions during the marriage. Okay, um, hmm, kind of similar vein. Um, Only in this case, another tenancy in common. Tenancy in common, by the way, means that each tenant, meaning each owner of the property, has their own separate interest in the property. It could be an equal interest. It could be an unequal interest. You could have five or six people as tenants in common, each with a different percentage ownership interest. So, uh, And it does mean that each interest is, in fact, separate from every other interest. In this case, the person says they bought a house a few years ago with their mother, who's the other half owner. So the deed says, I have have half, mom has half, as tenants in common. Can I prepare a deed to transfer my interest into my trust? Would my mother need to sign the deed too? Would the new deed say something like, my name as to my 50% interest hereby transfer to my name as trustee of my trust? That's actually very accurate. If it was John Smith, it would be John Smith as grantor hereby transfers to John Smith, trustee of the John Smith Trust, his 50% ownership interest in 123 Main Street, parcel number 123456, whatever it happens to be. Uh, So, yes, you don't need to have the other tenant in common or tenants in common sign a deed to transfer your interest wherever you want it to go. Uh, It's a separate and distinct interest. Now, it's very different if you own property as a married couple and it's community property, or um, even if it's joint tenancy property as a married couple, that could be dicey. But if you own it as joint tenants with somebody else, you could transfer your interest to your trust, and that would sever the joint tenancy, meaning there's no longer a joint tenancy. You are now, or your trust is now, tenants in common with the other person or persons on the property. And you don't need that person to sign off on that. So that's, um, you know, married couples, very different rules. So what I just said doesn't apply to married couples. Um, That's kind of thing where you need to be very careful uh, when you're uh, doing some kind of transfer like that. So we're coming up on the second break in the show today. Uh, You can call in on the show today. It's 800-516-1220. You can also email me your questions at radio at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. I uh, keep my email um, available to me during the show. I have it come through on my smartphone so I can see all that. Uh, You could also email me there kind of at any time if you have a question that you'd like me to answer for you and see if there's maybe something something I can assist you with. So when we come back after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and I'll catch you on the second half of the show in a few minutes. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So continuing on with more questions and comments from around the state of California, uh, I'm going to go with uh, this one from La Puente, California. I think that's in Southern California. Those of you who know uh, Southern California better probably say, I'm pretty sure that's where it is. 
And um, the question was, uh, my mother died. I cannot find the original trust. I have a copy. The bank does not want to release the money from her savings account until I find the original. And also, can I sell mom's house with the copy? Well, here's the deal. Um, If the trust names you as the successor trustee, then what I would do is I would prepare a certification of trust that identifies you as the successor trustee of the trust with a death certificate, certificate from the mother, and present that to the bank because you're the one taking over that account. Now, I'm assuming this savings account that's being referred to is one that's actually owned by the trust. I don't think the bank has any right to insist on the original uh, trust being presented to them, um, especially if a certification of trust is presented to them. Uh, They really don't. It's none of their business what the actual trust says or even what it looks like. Their business is to deal with whoever is the successor trustee. And if someone delivers a certification of trust saying, I'm the successor trustee, and here's a death certificate uh, proving that the trustee, my mother, has died, they should release that. Um, If they refuse, uh, someone could always go to court um, and ask, ask for the court to issue an order compelling the release of the savings account. Um, on the basis that uh, it's owned by the trust and this is the successor trustee, uh, that kind of thing. If a certification is presented and they refuse, you have to go to court, you may be able to get actually attorney's fees and costs and some damages um, if you've been damaged by this, damages from the bank for refusing to accept the certification. So there's a lot of things at play here. The second question is, can I sell the house with the copy of the trust? Well, first of all, um, you don't need to show the trust to anybody when it's sold. Again, the certification of trust comes into play. That's what you would be giving to or providing to a title company um, in order to sell the property, showing you're taking over. If there's a house, there's going to be an affidavit of change of trustee, removing mom's name from the property, putting your name on as the successor trustee, and then you can just sell the property. So this is one of those situations. It just seems like every time I turn around and every time my colleagues turn around here, there seems to always be banks that are doing more and more and more to make it difficult for families to actually conduct business with the banks. I'm not sure why they are so difficult to deal with. I'm not sure why they think that this is a good thing to do. Um, I know that it alienates my clients. It alienates me. I have advised many clients over the years to change banks because of the difficulties that they are having with the current bank that they're working with. And uh, I won't name names, but we're talking about, you know, Bigger banks, not necessarily smaller community banks, regional banks, or credit unions, which tend to be much more user-friendly when you're actually dealing with them in the context of trusts and estates.
Okay, so uh, this one says, okay, this is my second marriage with, uh, and it's my husband's second marriage as well. I have an adult son and my husband has has uh, two teenage children. My husband only focuses in on his children and expects only his children to get the property, everything that we own. I want my son to get my portion whenever I pass away. Um, I don't trust him, unfortunately, and that's why I need to take care of my portion of assets without my husband. Question, can I set up a living trust or will without my husband? Uh, the short answer is yes, you could make a will on your own. You could make a trust on your own and have the will that you make direct that your share of the community property or uh, the owned assets in the marriage be turned over uh, to your son or turned over to a trust for your son. The problem might very well be here. How are the property, how's the property and the assets actually titled with the husband? If it's titled as joint tenants, making a will or a trust is going to have no effect at all. If it's titled as community property, just community property, then a will could be used to direct that your share of community property goes to your son. If it says community property with right of survivorship, ah, that won't work then because the right of survivorship means it automatically goes to the husband if the wife dies first. I think in a situation like this, if this person really doesn't trust her husband and doesn't trust that if she dies that her child is going to get her half of the property, she's got a bigger problem than an estate planning problem here. Um, this might actually be more a situation where, a unfortunately, a family lawyer is going to have to get involved um, to resolve this for this person. Okay, we are in our 70s. Um, we're buying a property with his money. Um, we're not married. And uh, if the title is not joint tenants with right of survivorship and he dies before me and I'm not on the deed, can his adult children or his legally separated but not yet divorced wife Legally get ownership of the home? Well, short answer, um, yes. <laughs> um, if, if someone is not on the title and the person who owns it dies, it's going to go to that person's heirs. If they have a will, it's going to go to whoever they designate in the will. If they don't have a will, it's going to go to their spouse if they're legally married. But legal separation could include a separation of assets as well. And if that's the case and there's a legal separation, um, this is one of those crossover questions. I'm not sure exactly what the answer is. Uh, I believe the answer is if there's a legal separation, but there's still a marriage that the surviving spouse would be entitled to receive um, some of that property and if there's one adult child of the person who died, I think it goes 50-50 then. And if there's two or more adult children, it would be two-thirds for the children, one-third for the separated but still married um, spouse 
who survived. But this person who's just living with someone who's going to buy a house, they're out of luck. They're going to be out of luck, which means if they're concerned about not having a home anymore, if their new uh, boyfriend or girlfriend dies, um, then, you know, they need to talk with them about that and see if there's something that uh, the person's willing to do to make sure they're taken care of. Okay. Okay, so here, Dad has a will. Everything goes to his spouse and from her to the two daughters, his daughter and her daughter. He died, and now the spouse sets up a new trust, or a trust, I guess, excluding father's daughter. Can she do that? Oh, you're going to be shocked to hear this. I'm sure the answer is absolutely yes. Because the father had a will and left everything to his spouse Otherwise, to their two daughters, meaning if the spouse had died already, but the spouse didn't die. So the wife didn't die. And because she hadn't died before the father, she now owns everything and she can do whatever she wants. If she doesn't like his daughter, oh, well, I guess she's not going to get his share or anything at all when the wife dies. This is one of the problems. If you're in a situation like that and you want to assure that your child or children get your share of the property, you need to get an estate planning attorney involved. It's as simple as that. Trusting to a surviving spouse to, quote, do the right thing or, quote, do what we agreed on, um, you better be incredibly trusting and that person better be very, very interested in carrying out your wishes because if you just leave it outright to them, they're going to be able to do whatever they want with it, including remarry and leave it all to a new spouse and leave nothing to anybody's children. That's just the way it works here. Okay, so we've got about a minute left now here um, on on the show today, or on this, this segment today. When I come back after the segment, we'll be finishing up with more questions and comments here in the state of California. Uh, and until then... Uh, talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. And uh, after the break, we'll continue and close out the show today. Talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Welcome back. We're in the last segment of the show today. As I say, we're rounding the far turn and heading into the home stretch for the finish line. I've got a few more questions and comments from around the state of California, and then I'll close out today with a a brief discussion about... uh, what I'm going to be covering in the show next Friday. 
Uh, but for now, let's go back to a few more questions and comments. All right, uh, here it says, uh, this is from Gardena, California. It says, my mother's estate left all siblings equal beneficiaries according to her trust. One sibling found out we all need to have a trust, too, to avoid probate. Is this correct? Uh, yeah, if, if you inherit property... And you and you end up inheriting and property by that. I mean, personal property such as things or bank accounts or mutual funds or stock. Uh, And then real property, um, you know, real estate, basically, if you inherit and you end up with an estate that's more than that hundred and sixty six thousand two hundred and fifty dollars I mentioned earlier in the show and you do nothing at all, um, the likelihood is very high that you'll end up in probate um, without getting into uh, people using beneficiary designations on things and the and the potential serious problems with that. In general, if you now inherit property, you should be looking at at setting up a trust to own that property so that you can, in fact, completely avoid the probate process at death so that your family doesn't have to go through that. Um, that is one of the biggest reasons why, especially here in the state of California, why you want to be doing, uh, want to actually be doing um, trust here because we have a very complicated, time-consuming, and expensive probate process that really could be avoided by, uh, by just having a trust in place that owns your property. Okay, here's uh, out of Oceanside, California. How can my sister and I get power of attorney for my mom who has a cognitive disorder and was placed in a memory care facility? We need a power of attorney. Mom is unable to make decisions due to a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Let's put a hard stop right there. If mom is no longer able to make decisions... In this case, it says we have documentation from two different doctors stating that's the fact. You know what? It's game over. Um, Without the power of attorney being signed before mom is no longer able to make decisions, the only alternative now to get access to mom's, in this case, they need access to mom's bank account to pay her bills. The only other thing she has is an old car. The problem this family faces is they're going to have to go to court and get a conservatorship put in place to access mom's money. If they were not put on the account as agents under a power of attorney, they can't access the funds. If they don't have a power of attorney independent of that, they can't access the funds. If they were not put on the account as joint owners with mom, which I don't really recommend, but a lot of people do that, They can't access the funds. The only way to access the funds is to go to court and have the court appoint one or both of them as the conservator or conservators for their mother, which then allows them to get access to mom's bank account. This happens, I'm sure, all the time. Because a lot of people, most people don't do estate planning, um, about two-thirds of the country don't do any planning of any kind, and that even includes people worth millions and millions of dollars with lots of properties. 
um, and, and very famous people. There's very famous people that have done no planning or done very poor planning. So don't worry, you're not alone in this. But if you're wondering about this, if you're facing, oh, I'm losing my mental capabilities, my facility, you know, my faculties and all that, it's time to get the planning done. Don't don't wait until it's too late. And a lot of people actually do wait until it's too late. And I'm hoping beyond hope that those of you listening, that you're going to actually take action and make sure that you're not one of those families that leaves behind a mess for the rest of the family to deal with. That is my hope. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. I want to remind you all that my show next Friday will be on the SECURE Act, which is the new law from Congress that took effect this year that seriously and dramatically affects retirement plans, how they are passed on and inherited by the next generation. That can include uh, by your spouse. It can include your children or other people. The rules have changed fairly dramatically in terms of how long it takes before that money can actually be um, passed on. Uh, It's going to be a lot faster than it has been before this year. So um, I'm heading off to Southern California for the next four or five days with my family. We're going to visit Mickey and his friends. And I may talk a little bit about that next Friday, too. But I'm going to focus on the SECURE Act. And uh, and if you have a retirement plan or know somebody who does, tune in next Friday to get some important information that's going to affect your family's future. And I'm completely serious about that. So until next Friday, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And I hope you have a great weekend. And uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the weather talk with you next Friday. Bye-bye for now. Listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B lawbob.com or call his office in San Jose 408-247-0444 That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.